Recording live from the Lucky Number 7 Lounge in the basement of Dine Drink Travel World Headquarters in the barren wastelands of far west Texas, this is Dine Drink Vegas, the podcast by and for everybody stuck at home but who wishes they were in the land of neon lights and bad decisions. I am your host, John, aka The Baller on a Budget, and in episode 7, We bring you our drink of the day. We talk about our respective upcoming trips, including some baller on a budget tips and some luxuries worth paying for. And we update you on Vegas news. And now it's time to bring in the founder of Dine Drink Travel, the high roller of the high plains, the king of comps, the leader in the luxury lounge, the man who is always eagerly waiting for that limo to take him to his resort. Bill, come on in, Bill, and say hi. Hey, John. How are you? I am good now that take number four seems to actually be working, and we can get this show on the road. Well, actually, the fact that this is officially our fourth take to start this particular episode has helped, because that means I have pre-gamed our drink of the day. When we went through our first run-through, I was sober, and that's not how you and I podcast. No, it absolutely is not. So, speaking of the drink of the day, why don't you tell us the premise, because we're doing something different this episode. So, you and I have two different trips coming up in July. You're going next week with your wife, and then I'm going about a week after that by myself on a trip to get content for the YouTube channel. So, what we decided to do for the drink of the day this week was just stuff you can get on an airplane, and we each focused on the favorite drinks from our particular airline. So, here were the rules. You're on an airplane for the drink of the day this week. It's not like you can have a lot of bitters, in particular fruit peels. There's not a lot of mixes. No, no, no. You you could do a highball. You could do a blank and blank if you wanted, although that's not the direction either of us went in. Um, And we both went with bourbon. So I guess I will start. I try to fly American whenever I can because American's been very, very good to me. Um, If our buddy Mike happens to be listening to this, hi, Mike, I know that you've had, or my friend Todd, or my friend Derek, or really most of my friends, I realize you've had different American Airlines experiences than I have, and I'm laughing at you and not with you. No, you're laughing at them, and I... That's what I said. No, I fully own the fact that I'm laughing at them. I'm afraid to fly American, particularly because of Mike, because I don't want to sit on the tarmac, which is what he seems to do most once he has an American ticket. He had a random interaction in the Austin airport about a month ago where a person he never met came up to him and said oh, no, you're here, that means the flight's going to be late. Yeah. That's Anyway, I've had lovely experiences with American, and the bourbon that they serve for free in first class is Woodford Reserve. It's also the bourbon they'll sell you for whatever it is they charge for bourbon in economy class. And as a free drink goes, Woodford Reserve is actually fantastic. I'd love it if that's the sort of thing that casinos serve. So I just had a Woodford Reserve, and I got mine out of an actual airline mini bottle and poured it in into a glass. What did you, or glass full of ice, John? What'd you do? So typically, I fly Southwest, the uh, Great Greyhound of the Skies, which is the uh, airline of my people for everybody trying to save a few dimes so you can spend them in Vegas. And the spirit selection on Southwest. Uh, is a little, it's mid-shelf compared to what you get on American. They do offer Jack Daniels. Uh, I'm not the biggest fan of JD. I will drink it. The no, Scotch, but if you get a free drink coupon for oh, it. It's, yes, yeah. and, and, and thank, thankfully Southwest mails me those, so I don't have to pay for my drink because there is no first class. If there was, I probably couldn't afford it. Um, the Scotch is doers. 
And I will spring for good scotch, and Dewar's is okay. What I'm drinking is Wild Turkey 101, which came out of a plastic jug from the closet of the Lucky Number 7 Lounge, no, which is the way it should. We refer to that as, as the bar here at Dine Drink Travel World Headquarters. Yes. It, it is the speakeasy. The speakeasy. Oh, I like that. We're going to work that in in the future, yes. Uh, but Wild Turkey 101 is, in, in my mind, it sort of exemplifies the baller on a budget attitude it's it's actually a better whiskey than it gets a, a a reputation for it is perfect for mixing it does taste good neat or on the rocks sure woodford reserve is a little softer around the edges and a little more complex i'm not arguing it's not a but higher i'm class. softer around the edges yes um but i will say that if you're looking for a value pick uh southwest was wise to pick wild turkey i think it's a good call so I think it's a perfectly fair call. That's why it exists here in my closet. But let's talk about there's a third airline which flies into our hometown airport. That's United, who, which serves Buffalo Trace. So in terms of just the whiskey itself, like you're going to pour whiskey over ice because you're seated next to an enormously person like on the airplane. You don't have enough space. There's a crying baby behind you. You've had a bad day, right? You need a glass of free whiskey to get through your flight. Do you go for the Woodford Reserve, or do you go for the Buffalo Trace, or Lord help you, for the Wild Turkey 101? So, it depends. If there's a screaming baby, I want the Wild Turkey, because 101 refers to proof, mm, and I need a little more horsepower. I think of the three, my preference from a flavor profile uh, probably is Buffalo Trace. Now, Woodford has some other offerings besides their bourbon that i'm very fond of and don't get me wrong woodford reserve is an excellent bourbon i find their rye to be great their wheat whiskey uh is great their single malt i happened into a bottle of that on a clearance rack okay i'm cheap what can i say Uh, i would pay msrp for it really excellent the bourbon to me is not their strongest offering of those three buffalo trace to me is the winner no it's not the woodford reserve's strongest offering but um Again, in terms of something to help you get through the flight, I actually happen to like it a lot. Now, to your comment about their wheat whiskey, I think that's the primary difference between how you and I drink whiskeys anyway. I am most of the whiskey I drink, like 90% of the whiskey I drink is a bourbon, and it tends to be a wheated bourbon whenever it can. Now, Woodford Reserve's not that, but I tend to go for the softer whiskeys anyway to the point where, like, yeah, I'll drink just a straight-up wheat whiskey like the Woodford Reserve wheated or um. My my favorite is the Canadian whiskey, Rare Perfection. That you've told me you just you you don't like as much as I do. No, and I and it and 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 let me be clear. I love weeded bourbons. My all time favorite bourbon is uh, Weller Antique, which is seven years old, one hundred seven proof. And up until the Pappy Van Winkle fray, uh, craze of a decade ago, used to be available all day every day in the state of Texas at a very affordable price. Uh, I have been in love with uh, Weller Antique since I was 13 years old, uh, and it remains to this day my favorite bourbon at, at any price point. So I do have an appreciation for weeded bourbons, and, 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 and I love them. But I also like low rye, high rye mash bills. I enjoy a rye whiskey, uh, and I enjoy a really funky, peaty, smoky medicinal scotch which is not a thing you do and i want to go back to that you were talking about learning to drink when you were 13 when i was 13 that 
my parents pretended that all drinking was always a sin because God specifically said so somewhere in the book of Second Opinions. And the great irony of that is that Dad was homebrewing out in the garage the whole time. My sister and I had no idea that was going on. Yeah, well, I, I had a different context growing up. So my granddaddy drove the Schlitz truck in your hometown. And uh, there were two bourbons typically on hand in his cabinet, although sometimes he'd switch it up. But uh, Jim Beam White Label, which I first had when I was eight years old, but that's another story, uh, was his day-to-day, and then Weller Antique was his special occasion. And that's back in the days when Pappy Van Winkle still owned Stitzer Weller. And one of these episodes, we will do a deep dive into bourbon, probably a bunch of episodes, because we like talking about bourbon almost as much as we like talking about Vegas. So yeah, my, my, my track record... Um, with alcohol, probably goes back to Schlitz malt liquor when I was five. But uh, oh dear I, lord, that explains so much about who you are as an adult. It really does. I mean, you, sometimes you got to let the bull loose. Um, anyway, so when you're on the airplane, uh, look that over. I will say some sleeper picks on the Southwest menu. Uh, as I mentioned, Dewar's is very easy going. Not my favorite scotch, but it'll do. Southwest also carries Lagunitas, uh, one of their IPAs, on the flight. And I really do appreciate, I don't drink a lot of beer these days, but when I drink beer, usually I want a good one every now and then I will slum it. I mean, I did cut my teeth on Schlitz malt liquor, but I really love that Southwest carries a quality craft beer as an option on the plane. Uh, that True. I wish that the planes had the ability to make you know just a couple of more basic cocktails. One of the things that United was doing for a while, and I think they still sometimes try to try to do, is they had a, a few more cocktail mixes. And you know sometimes that was a nice part of the experience. But you know what? It's an airplane. You're you're probably just getting a, a pour of whatever alcohol you're getting. You might be getting a highball, a blank and blank, right? So a a, a whiskey and coke or something. But that's about as sophisticated as they're going to get. And it's fine. From most places in the U.S., it's not that long of a flight to Vegas. You just kind of want to get through. Yeah, and and I hear that. And there are, like, you can buy cocktail kits and little tins, but they tend to be very pricey. Uh, I did fall down a um, Twitter or a Reddit rabbit hole. Somebody was making their own in Altoid tins. Uh you can buy dried citrus peels. You can get little bitty vials to put bitters in. And you can just make yourself a little cocktail on the go kit and have the uh, flight crew bring you a bottle of bourbon on the rocks. And then you just go to town with your little kit out of a out of an Altoids can. Right. Well, before we move on and talk about our upcoming trips and how to have some really premium luxury experiences, I do want to share with our audience the beauty which is the airline mini bottle. I've got a second airline mini bottle here at Woodford Reserve, but it just makes such a beautiful cracking open sound when you open it. And then whatever. Whiskey on ice, it is a beautiful, beautiful thing. And it's how I get through my day to day. So John, where is it that you and Mrs. John are staying on your trip next week? So we we have booked a Soho King room at New York, New York. Uh, my wife being a fan of 90s sitcoms, especially Friends, and mad about you. We really love the vibe of fake New York. Uh, we love that it's next door to fake dirty medieval ca- castle and fake. No, it's in- real dirty. Yeah, and and one of fake MGM's Italy's. Although fake MGM Italy and Park MGM is inferior to the Venetian 
uh, which is better fake Italy. But I love that Vegas has, you know, fake you, yeah, you everything. Yeah, you compare which fake thing do you yes. like better. Yeah. So we're a big fan of New York, New York. And uh, we have put in a bid to be upgraded. So MGM occasionally does this. By the way, if you've ever cruised, cruise lines will do the same thing. When they anticipate undersold rooms, you'll get an email saying, hey, we'll offer you discounted upgrades. They'll give you a list of room classes. You could say, yeah, I would like one of these and then the day you arrive hopefully you get what you want so we're hoping to upgrade to a strip view stay well premium king uh we hope that falls through for us but right now we have booked the standard soho king i know you reviewed a soho to queen room not that long ago right um i actually really enjoyed it it's not that it was my favorite hotel room in vegas but it was that the New York, New York is really good at doing the thing they say they do, right? Like it was a perfectly safe, perfectly comfortable room. It was nicely decorated. They just weren't pretending it was too upscale and right. fancy. They're like, we've got a perfectly nice place to stay in a really good location. So cool. No, I yeah. love the New York, New York. Yeah, it's it's basically, you know, it's La Quinta wearing a Halloween costume, and I'm okay with that. I mean, my options were one night comped at New York, New York a discount at some nicer places. I could have had all three nights comped in the Dirty Castle. Um, and I thought about that, and then I watched a few review videos that reminded me why I haven't done that yet and why I may not do that. Um, so again, it, it fell in line with a good deal on a good room. Not the cheapest option, not the most expensive option, but right in that wheelhouse. But the location of New York, New York, and Park MGM, and I love both of these properties, right. is great. But talk about that for our listeners for a second, because you've got still an exceptional... Again, neither one of us gambles a whole heck of a lot, right? right. You gamble probably even less than I do. But you got an exceptionally good deal on a very nice room in a perfect location. The whole whole theme of this episode is how do you get a little bit of a luxury experience for prices that ordinary people like you and me can afford to pay? So how did you get that deal on the room in New York, New York? So uh, I, I am a, a card holder for the uh, MGM M-Life MasterCard. Uh, and I am one of those people that figured out early on that if you pay your credit card bill off every month, and don't charge things you can't afford, all of those perks and points come in handy. So when you have this particular card, and I don't recommend it unless you like MGM properties, but if you like MGM properties, you maintain pearl status all of the time. Uh, and it's quicker if you happen to gamble to move your way up to gold. One year they were doing bonus points and I actually made gold and then the pandemic hit and I didn't get to go to Vegas and enjoy the perks, which <laughs> kind of sucked. Um, but that that means that your offers are coming from a higher tier, even though when this offer came in, I had not put a dime into a slot machine in an MGM property for 18 months because my last few trips had been downtown. So that really worked out pretty well for us. The other thing that it's going to do is I've been accruing credit card points. Now, in the old days, you could use these credit card points any way you wanted. So you could use it to comp meals or if you had enough points to comp your room stay. Well, they don't do that anymore. So now your credit card points go right into free play. But because I haven't been on property since the pandemic, roughly, I think we stayed at Aria. My wife and I went to Aria right after Vegas came back to life and everybody was still masking up. So I've got $500 in free play 
there. And I've got another $200 in free play thanks to my wife and I doing the My Vegas apps online. And I'll talk more about that in a minute. So we have $700 in free gambling. And I may not be a big gambler, but I'll play $700 worth of their money. No, absolutely. And sorry, folks, I forgot to turn off my phone before we got this started. But it looks like it was somebody I didn't particularly want to talk to anyway. I think the real the key to take out of what John was just saying is when you go to Vegas, find the loyalty program for whatever hotel you're staying at. You know what? Even if you are only going to gamble a couple of dollars, right? Put your card in the machine. Yes. And whatever you buy, to the extent possible, sign it to your room. If you go yes. to the spa, sign it to your room. If you go to the bar, sign it to your room. Um, it doesn't cost you any more, but then the casino can track it. And one of the ways that I get really good deals on hotels in Vegas is to um, it is I track all my spending, right? I make sure my spending goes on my hotel room, and thus the hotel chains know that I'm a good customer, even if I don't gamble that much. And I tend to get some pretty good deals on the room itself. Yes, and and, and in the case of if you have the credit card, you get you get points for purchasing meals, souvenirs, whatever that you charge back to the room. And they'll let you charge back just about everything. Um, yeah, it is you, Vegas. They will take your money. If right. you then pay that bill with their credit card, then you get points because you get, you know, I think on the MGM, I get a point for every dollar I spend, but I get triple points for everything I spend at MGM. So I'm getting triple points on points. So it, it, it can accrue pretty quickly. Sometimes I'll do it on my Southwest card because that's another secret about Vegas. If you have an airline card, whether it's Southwest or American, if you can get free flights, um, then you don't mind paying for your hotel room. That's not so bad. It takes the sting out. It really does take the sting out of it. So we've talked a lot before about you being a baller on a budget, but that's not just about budget travel. It's also about being a baller. It's about having a great experience in Vegas. So what is it that you are going to spend a little bit of extra money on, on this trip? So on this trip, uh, one thing that we're going to do that is definitely baller on a budget. And, uh, that is salt Bay Nurset. uh, Narset is one of the most expensive steakhouses in Vegas. They have that $2,400 gold-wrapped tomahawk. Well, they run a lunch special, $40 for a three-course meal. You get a salad or appetizer, your choice of a five-ounce prime filet, a five-ounce prime New York strip, or the Wagyu burger, and then for dessert, either baklava or vanilla ice cream. So, uh, not a ton of choices, but a really nice lunch menu. And honestly, like a five ounce steak is not a bad portion. And it's, it gives you access to a high end steakhouse, albeit this one with some mixed reviews. Uh, but it's going to give me access to a, something that if I went for dinner for my wife and I would probably cost us at least 300 bucks with a few drinks. Uh, we're going to get out of there for under $150 with tax and tips. Even if we have multiple rounds of cocktails to go with it, we could easily get out for under $110. And that's not a cheap lunch, but considering where we're going, that's a great way to get your foot into a place you might not otherwise uh, be able to afford. Well, if you were going for the cheapest thing you might possibly do, you were just going to stay home anyway. Right. right. No, I think you've designed some fantastic experiences and there are so many, not every high-end restaurant is open for lunch, but a lot of them are. And you can get some much better deals that way. Well, and not just lunch, happy hour. 
I'm a big believer in in happy hour too. Oh my goodness! So I've got this video up. Actually, I think I ate that meal with you. I've got a video up of herbs and rye. Yes. Um, were we together for that particular yes. meal? Yes. We so were. we went there for their. Well, happy not hour. that way, listeners. But yes, it was oh, you, me, and yeah, whatever. It was guys' right. trip. Yeah. Um, it was. I can't remember what I paid for my steak, but I had a ribeye, and some of it was the highest end steak in the world, but it was really good. They cooked it exactly right, and at the happy hour discount, it was like twenty odd bucks, which is high in Vegas steakhouses. Go is um unheard of so yeah yeah one of the things you can do if you want to drop a little bit of cash have a nice experience but you've got some budgetary limits look for happy hours look for lunches because a lot of places will have them and the restaurants are delighted to see you and sell you stuff well and and honestly too if you shift the big meal of the day to your lunch and you go ahead and you save a little bit on that lunch meal you're not going to be starving for a big dinner and then there's even a few places that will run a reverse happy hour. So you might be able to slide into a nicer place and get a couple of appetizers, a dessert and a cocktail, say after nine or 10 o'clock at night as well. And then you've had a really nice day where, you know, you're spending probably two thirds of what you would have spent had you gone into the same places for dinner. Right. And on this trip, aren't y'all also doing night swim at Caesars? Oh, yeah. So, uh, you know, a pool cabana at a strip property can run you anywhere from $300 on the low end to $1,200, $1,500 on the high end. Caesars is in the $400 range. But at night swim, they shut down all the pools except the Venus pool. Now, we're going to be there for July 4th. So, I think we gave... When you count in the bogus online fees, because there's always fees. And by the way, listeners, when you're looking at prices, read the fine print, see what the fees are. But I think for $204, uh, we're going to get a cabana, and it's just my wife and I. So we get an eight-person cabana to ourselves with a Why dedicated Why did you invite server. me and my wife on that trip? Uh, we have begged other people to come <laughs> with us multiple times. Nobody wants to come. Uh, but we're going to be there on July 4th, which means we get to float in the pool and sip boat drinks and stare at the fireworks in the sky. And again, 200 bucks for a pool cabana may not sound cheap to you, but considering the exact same cabana is at least twice as much during daytime hours, and we avoid the 110-degree July Heat. Heat, yeah. It really is a great experience on a budget. But I think, so that's two excellent examples of you've got a couple of super premium experiences that you're getting for on the Vegas scale of things, really good prices, yes. right? Like a cabana at the Caesars pool is great, particularly for Independence Day celebrations. By the way, weird verbal tick listeners, you will never hear me say happy 4th or happy 4th of July. You will always hear me say happy Independence Day. I, I, I don't know. It's a thing for my grandparents. It's a thing I do. Um, but you've got like, it's on a holiday that you yes. will be there. Yes. Um, and you're going to, to Salt Bay, right? Like you've got some yeah. super premium high-end experiences that you were able to get for pretty reasonable prices. Yes, and then we're toying around with either uh, Ocean uh, One, uh, Ocean Prime, excuse me. Ocean One is a is is definitely on a budget. I wouldn't call it baller, but it's not bad. I won't turn my nose at it. We have reservations at Ocean Prime, which is a new steakhouse. And Super Frico, which is high-end pizza at the Cosmopolitan. Uh, we haven't decided which one we're keeping or canceling. We need to do that pretty quick because I don't want to be the jerk that holds a reservation for the last minute and then somebody else can't get in. But, uh, yeah, so we're going to have at least one other 
a very nice meal. One would definitely be more fine dining. One would be upscale food in a casual setting. But we're, we're going to squeeze in at least one really nice meal a day. And then the rest of the day, you know, we'll find some cheaper things to eat and get by. Cool. Well, are there any other experiences you want to share with our listeners before I move on and talk about my trip? Um, no, not at the moment, but let's see where the day goes. Yeah, fair enough then. So I've got a similar trip coming up in the middle of July, and this one is designed to get content for our YouTube channel. I hope y'all will go look at it. It's Dine Drink Vegas. It's a lot shorter format than this. I tend to do five, eight-minute videos about particular things you might be interested in on your trip rather than this longer format podcast. But um, I don't think I've spent any money on hotels, and I'm staying in three different hotels, and here's how I did it. They, they, I religiously track points. Like I think George Clooney made a movie about me, and I'm that guy. Um, I religiously track my points all the time. So the first night I'm staying at the Delano. The Delano is an MGM property. It is physically connected to the Mandalay Bay, and I got it for free. Now that meant I didn't get a super premium suite, but whatever. I'm traveling by myself, right? It's fine, and it's it's a luxury upscale property. That's because I have for years and years religiously tracked everything I've spent in Vegas and had it signed into my room, right? Like that's the thing I was talking about with John earlier. Um, While I'm there, I'll be able to use the Mandalay Bay pool and that pool is just gorgeous. Like that is a whole lot of fun. Oh, yes. The second night, because I want to get, you know, share different things with the viewers on our YouTube channel. The second night, I'm walking out of the Delano, staying in air conditioning the whole time, walking through the Mandalay Bay, and walking over to the Four Seasons, where I'm also staying for free based on points off of my American Express. And y'all, if you can stay at a property like the Four Seasons for free, of course you should. Yes. I stayed at the Waldorf Astoria once for free based on Hilton points. Because I, I again, I don't, like, and we went to dinner tonight. I got points off of that. Right. By the way, his pinky is fully up as he sips the bourbon and brags about the Wilder Astoria. Yes, it is. And I'm not even ashamed and I have nothing to hide here. But the second night, I'm going to go to the Four Seasons based off of some American Express points I traded in. The third night, I'm going into downtown and I'm staying at the Golden Nugget. I went there once spring break. So March of last year. So it's been, what, 16, 17 months at this point? I don't even really know. They insist on sending me offers for free rooms in spite of the fact that I didn't really gamble that much because their gambling rules kind of suck. But whatever, because I tracked everything I did by putting my Golden Nugget card in the slot when I was there, they're giving me a free room. So I've got three different hotel rooms at pretty nice properties, all because I religiously track my points. Yeah, so that's a really, really, really good deal. And I'm glad you brought up the Nugget because we're going to talk about their owner a little bit later in the episode. Uh I look forward to hearing what you have to say there. Now, on this trip, I'm also, there's some things I'm going to drop some money on. Um, I love rooftop bars in Vegas. So I'm going to the Skyfall Lounge at the top of the Delano for dinner one night. Um, I'm going to, John, I have just blanked out. What is the foundation room, the the, hotel, the the nice bar at the top of the Mandalay Bay. I'm going there for dinner the second yeah. night because um, rooftop bars are great. But again, I'm going specifically during their happy hours, yes. right? Because I'm not trying to impress anybody with how much money I spent. I, I've got a funny story about a guy who tried to do that once. Um, I'm not trying to impress anybody. I just I want some beautiful views and a couple of good drinks and you know something good to eat on. I'll have eaten 
my big meal later on or earlier in the day. Now, the one nice dinner I'm going to is um, Oscars. I'm, when I'm in downtown that last night, I'm going to Oscars because I want to see the new carousel bar and I want to see their expanded patio seating. So will you go for the patio seating or old reliable, the booth inside the main restaurant or even sitting at the bar? Um, so I asked for indoor seating and I'll show the my viewers you know, what the outdoor area looks like because I'm not proud. I'll walk around with the camera. It's fine. But no, it's 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 going to be July in Vegas. I think I'm allergic to outside. Yeah, no, that I, I see the wisdom there. Although I can't wait to be there in you know March and catch that patio in that kind of weather. Yeah. Now the one thing that I did drop money on on this trip that just wasn't necessary, I spent 150 bucks for the VIP arrival experience at the Delano, and what that gets me, and it's 150 dollars a night, but I'm only there for one night, so whatever. What that gets me is my limo from the, the right. airport to the hotel, and then you know I'll be greeted on arrival. If I was going back to the airport, it would have also gotten me my limo back. But then it gets me express check-in, access to their VIP lounge. I'm looking forward to that. But that's one of the things where I pretty consistently will spend money when I'm going to Vegas. I like the experience of feeling like a high roller. And it turns out I don't need the super expensive room or anything. I want to show up um, you know, have them have somebody open the door, say, "Welcome to the Delano, Mr. Harlow," and then there you go. Yeah, and and I get that, and that is that is fun. Normally, I just do a Lyft or an Uber and save a few bucks. Although, but I I'm admit, allergic to lines when I'm on vacation, that, and, and I get that, and and I do like when we do a guys trip, so I roll in the same time you do because I'm I'm more than happy to throw you money to help pay for your limo, and it's always fun. But if I'm traveling without you, if it's my wife and I, my wife is cheap. I'm frugal. My wife is cheap. I think, and she is outside talking to my wife right now, and that can't be in either of our interests. You know, uh, but yeah, if I, I think if I booked a limo, my wife would get angry because that's money we could have spent on something else. So, So, but that's one of the things worth knowing, folks. A limo. Okay, so there are various cars you can get between the airport and your hotel. That if and if you book the car in advance, the difference between a sedan and a limo one way is going to cost something between 70 and 150 bucks depending on how crowded the weekend is what car you get how many people are traveling all that sort of stuff but most of the time i'd say it probably costs around 90 or 100 bucks maybe a little bit more for the limo but the cab's not free the cab depending on where you're going is going to cost you 20 or 30 bucks and you got to stand in line for it the limo somebody just sitting there at the bottom of the escalator with a sign with your name on it and then you go and y'all, if I'm going to go to Vegas, I don't want to be standing in line for anything. Yeah, and I get that. I mean, it's like, you know, it's like having the the fast pass at Disney or whatever. You just want to jump right ahead. And it is it is a nice experience. I just have to weigh out, you know, you can usually like you can even upgrade to a nicer lift for usually half the price of a limo and it just comes down to where do I want my money to go and what do I value in Vegas? But if what you want is from the moment you arrive to be pampered, yeah, the limo's nice. Like, I'm not going to say that's a bad call, even though it's not what I normally do unless we're we're flying in together. Well, and I consistently um, have bad luck with how long the line is for the cab or the Uber or whatever non-sedan mode yeah. of transportation I've chosen. Yeah, and I will say the, the Lyft and Uber pickup, 
at at uh, Harry Reid Airport, formerly McCarran Airport. Not the best in the world. No. Uh, but I, I generally avoid cabs uh, just because... I have been uh, I have <laughs> I have been long hauled more than once. Now, if you're staying on the strip, they have mandatory rates, and even if you know, but if you're going downtown, especially, I, I don't trust the taxi riders. I like Lyft and Uber because I know what I'm going to pay before they arrive. I get to pick my class of vehicle based on that pricing before they arrive. I know what I'm getting into. There's nothing quite like getting into the smelly, poorly kept cab and then having that guy try to get all the way to Henderson before he drops you off at the Bellagio. Uh, Yeah, that's an experience I will just flat pass on. Yeah, no thanks. I do want to preview one other thing before we move on and start talking about Vegas news. So you and I and a group of our buddies is going to Vegas over Labor Day to stay at Resorts World. So listeners, look for that podcast drop what? two, three months from now, however long the days are hard, um, however long from now Labor Day is. Yeah. But yeah, no, um, I'm looking forward to that. I've stayed at Resorts World once. I had a great experience. I'm looking forward to doing Resorts World again. And that one strikes me as a really good place for a guy's trip like that. I, and I'm looking forward to that. I've never stayed that far north on the Strip. Uh, I've been just salivating for Fountain Blue to open up. I, I want to take my wife to Sahara at some point in the future. I am jonesing for brunch or breakfast at the Pepper Mill. Uh, by the way, when you're at Mandalay or, excuse me, at the Delano and Four Seasons, I assume you are going to go eat breakfast at Rira at some point, right? Uh, I can't imagine that I don't because Rira is a beautiful, beautiful thing and it makes me happy. Yes, anytime you can get a full English fry up and an Irish stout at nine in the morning, it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. You know, I would get the full English fry up with an Irish whiskey, but you do you. Yeah, uh, and you're wrong because you're afraid of beers that actually taste like something Mr. Modelo said. And I'm a grown man who can drink whiskey. Yeah, well, so so can I, but I'm still going to drink it with a Murphy's Irish stout. If, if you I can, can chew it, it's not a drink. Okay. You drink Bloody Marys. That's that's a salad. So you're drinking a liquid salad and you're going to make fun of stout? In my defense, I'm hungover when that happens. Same. Touche. Okay. Touche. So anyway, let's jump into news. And we've got a weird one to lead this off. So I picked this up from Vital Vegas. Let's be honest, almost all my news comes from Vital Vegas. Scott, if you ever listen to this podcast, and why would you? But if you ever do, thanks for everything. All right. So Circa was robbed, but not in the conventional sense. So Bill... In this particular story, somebody called the cage, the cashier's cage at Circa, pretending to be the owner, Derek Stevens. Was it Derek Stevens or was it his brother? No, no, pretending to be Derek, according to the story I read. Maybe it was pretending to be his brother. But at any rate, they said that the Las Vegas Fire Department is here running inspections. So I need you to take this money and, and apparently they were a couple of times that they left the cage go to an atm in a convenience store several miles away that converts cash into bitcoin and transfer it so the las vegas fire department can update our fire equipment and this cashier in the cage somebody who is trained and their job is to make sure the casino's money stays the casino's money did it to the tune of 1.2 million dollars so there are two stories or things about that story which start me one 
there is a fair chunk of the money that the police were able to recover. Yeah, eight hundred some odd thousand. Yeah. Yeah, and that like apparently they're really bad at theft. But the other thing, on the one hand, I don't understand how the employee made that particular mistake. Because even if your boss was going to tell you to do something, like that's a weird way to do it. But on the other hand, it sounds like the original thief actually cloned Mr. Stevens's voice. And if you're just some guy or lady, whatever, who showed up to work that day and you hear your boss on the phone and says, do this, my natural inclination is going to be to say, my internal monologue is to be, wow, that's really weird. Why is this guy asking me to do this? And what's going to come out of my voice is going to be, Yes, sir, Mr. Stevens, give me just a minute. Yeah, I think I have a different response given the amount of money and the absurdity of the request. I think my response is, respectfully, sir, I need this in writing. Um, honestly, I, this story to me does not pass the, the, the sniff test. I'm thinking no, the, no, the, it's this still, employee had to be in on this. It's still a mistake on the part of the employee because even if you say, yes, sir, Mr. Stevens, at some point you would expect the employee to you know, go tell their boss, hey, I'm going to be gone for 30 minutes, Mr. Stevens wants me to convert this money into Bitcoin. Uh, at a random ATM at a gas station several blocks away. Um, yeah, yeah, you, and that's the kind of thing that you would hope the supervisor... By the way, I know I just alleged that this employee was in on it. Uh, that is purely speculation. I have no inside information, nor am I trying to slander the, the uh, employee involved in case there's any friends of the family or lawyers listening. Uh, but yeah, it just it just it's a weird story to me. Well, we are journalists, and that is a reasonable hypothesis right. for what might have happened. Yeah. So, what else is going on in Vegas, John? So, again, also from Vital Vegas today, uh, and this story's been around for a while. But uh, the company that is behind the new strip mall where the Hawaiian Market was. Now, Bill, do you have a memory of the Hawaiian Market? I don't, but to be fair, I was probably drinking when we went there. So the Hawaiian Market is between the Showcase Mall or between MGM Grand and Planet Hollywood slash Miracle Mile. It is that really crappy strip mall that has a sketchy taco joint that wants you to think it's good as good as tacos al gordo but it is not dude i lived in mexico city sketch t- sketchy taco joints are where it's at no 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 this is not good sketch this is bad sketch okay cool uh and and a bunch of souvenir stands and then the fake weed dispensaries that are probably selling oregano to people who don't know any better uh and there's a lot of homeless people that just hang out there well they finally bulldozed all of that and they're also taking down the crappy hotel that was on the same lot now Ooh. The hotel is going to become the the uh, Post Oak. So, and I'm going to butcher the man's name, but Tillman uh, Fertitta, Fertitta, Acuna Matata, whatever. The uh, owner of the Golden Nugget downtown and also every restaurant in South Texas that isn't named Papa's. They are building, they're bringing a little Texas onto the strip, and I'm excited about this. They're, they, he has a hotel. Nothing in, about Texas is little, sir. No, that's true. But he has a hotel in Houston, the Post Oak, and he's bringing that branding, that, that hill country central, not that Houston's really hill country, it's, but anyway, that deeply 
deep historic Texan vibe to the strip. And and I think when that opens up, that'll be a whole other episode. Uh, but it looks like we're going to get a high-end bougie strip mall with some better dining, a rooftop terrace with some live music. So that part of the strip that we all try to ignore when you're staying at someplace lovely like Aria and there's a third world country across the street. The renderings of this look really, really, really nice. I am intrigued and I know he's been trying to get on the strip for a long time. Y'all, that's the same guy who owns the Golden Nugget downtown. Um, so, you know what? I'm going to check that out. Do you have any idea when that property is supposed to open? Well, now the strip mall, which is not related to, to what mm. Tillman's doing, that will be opening within the next year and a half or so. The uh, the casino, that's probably going to be about three years out. The footprint of it's going to be very similar to the Cosmo. Uh, they've got roughly about the same size and shape of a plot to work with. And it's interesting because it will be directly across from Cosmo. So it's also interesting because other, you know, when you get down on that end of the strip, once now that MGM owns Cosmo, once you get past planet Hollywood, everything down that way is MGM, except for the Tropicana, which nobody stays at the Tropicana. So MGM has got a stranglehold on that end of the strip. Well, now we've got somebody coming in with a serious piece of competition for the vibe that Aria and Cosmo throw down. No, I look forward to checking that out. Um, other things that I, I heard about, what's this about the Planet Hollywood and the Paris having to close their pools? Yeah, so uh, Planet Hollywood, uh, apparently for health reasons, for the water was apparently a weird color and there were very big health concerns. And then at Paris, which, by the way, when they shut down Planet Hollywood, according to multiple people on Twitter, they put up signs that said uh, Planet Hollywood guests can uh, use the pools at Paris. And then lo and behold, somebody broke, I believe, a champagne bottle uh, in the Paris uh, pool, which, by the way, that may not be budget, but that is absolutely baller if you have the champagne bottle in the hotel pool. But they had to drain it and find the broken glass because, listeners, you may not believe this, but finding broken glass in a body of clear water is a little bit difficult. I can see that. Um, and I'm kind of wondering if the guests who broke the bottle wound up getting charged for any of that. Uh, yeah, I didn't see any stories to that effect, but you've got to think that uh, that there's some kind of consequence for that. I'm sure Caesars came up with another convenience fee to tag onto that because that's what Caesars does. They have a fee for everything. They do indeed. Huh. All right. So that gets us down to Formula One. Bill, do we have a Formula One update? So I've looked and looked, and I can't find it. When I was in Vegas in May, um, it you could tell that they were tearing up the strip to repave the roads for Formula One. And I think that one of the things we can promise our listeners is when we come back with the next episode of this podcast, we're going to talk to them about how that construction is tearing up the strip, and in particular, how does that impact your ability to get around and go places? And and more importantly for visitors like you, with a lot of that construction going down Harmon, uh, if Harmon Avenue is torn up, how in the world will you get to stage door for your beer and hot dog combo? You should shut your filthy mouth. I have never in my life been drunk enough in Vegas for that to seem like a good idea. One other thing, as we start to go out, the A's did get approval for their new stadium out of the Nevada legislature. They are now seeking to come up with $1.1 in private financing to complete it. 
at the site where the Tropicana now sits. And uh, that I can't wait to see that. Although rumors are still flying that, yes, they're going to build, but maybe it won't be Tropicana after all. Apparently, Rio wants to re-enter the conversation. It is Vegas. There will always be rumors. And we will cover those rumors in a later episode. That is it for episode number seven. Remember to follow us online. Bill, where can they find us? Uh, they can find us on YouTube at Dine Drink Vegas. They can find this at Dine Drink Vegas Podcast and Dine Drink Vegas shorts you can find us on any social media channel at dine drink vegas and you can find me at dine drink john because uh, we don't share a login and i like to do my own thing so that's it for episode number seven we will talk to you here in a couple of weeks thank you for listening and happy travels